0: Hello, Jordan. What is up? Uh, What's going hey, on? Rob. What's up, man? Well, whew, feeling pretty pretty relieved. In fact, we should probably pop a. You want to pop a bottle? Let's do it. This has been a bit, This oh, has been a long go. week. Let's. Uh, yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Pour you one. Pour you a glass here. Okay. One for myself. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm feeling good because you know we did. We did hit up that uh, bottomless mimosa brunch um, the day after election day. It was a little bittersweet, you know. Uh, I don't think it was quite the result that I was expecting. Obviously, it was looking good for, for Joe Biden, but I, I was kind of, you know, we were talking about maybe a little bit more of a landslide, maybe thought by that point, it would be kind of more of a sure thing. But I'm feeling pretty relieved now, feeling pretty good. How about you?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think all of our hard work paid off. Um, yeah. You know, we...
0: Our big Avengers vid dropped right before the election. I think that might have swung a lot, of, uh, a lot of maybes towards Biden. Yeah,
1: I, I mean, we put in a ton of time and I just, I think that was... That was what really did it. I mean, I saw LeBron yeah. James, even tweeting about it. So um,
0: yeah, adding in Sean Connery at the last moment, I think, was the thing that really kind of took it to the next level. That was kind yeah. Of a, I thought yeah. I thought
1: Sean Connery's uh, involvement was great. I thought including um, Pelosi with this in Hillary with the squad was a good representation yes. of kind of our, 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 our current political climate. That's definitely it. Showed that we're people uh, when publishing that we're people who understand what's happening. Um, so yeah, the Sean Connery thing. The the John McCain and Ruth Bader Ginsburg um, yes.
0: kind of yeah. duo was just, was really. Absolutely. It's <laughs> really good. Really good stuff. Yeah, no, I was really happy mm-hmm. with how that came out, especially after we spent so long, you know, planning it. I did the whole deck and we talked about it and pitched it and, you know, it was one of those things really gratifying seeing that come together. But
2: right. as
0: I mentioned, um, you know, I did feel, especially the night of the election, I started to get that kind of sick feeling in my stomach, mm-hmm. kind of felt like, you know, things were not going to work out the way we're imagining for a little while there got if it's a little bit of a scare and of course now we have the situation where the election has been called we're looking at president-elect biden uh thankfully but also for the rest of the democratic party down ballot the senate and in the house kind of a little bit of a disappointing result and you know in hindsight i think that's kind of i think we were kind of asking for it when we went with kind of like this kind of far left radical like joe biden Mm -hmm. i think that was maybe a mistake and i think i think uh as much as we want to stand for these big progressive policies, I think he was just so out there, it was a little bit scary to a lot of people and turned a lot of people away. And I think that's why we saw the, the kind of somewhat disappointing result for the rest of the Democratic Party in, in, throughout this election.
1: Right, right. Uh, you know, I, I think John Kasich said at best, um, progressives almost cost us the election, and we need to be mindful of that. I mean, yeah. now we've got Pretty much no uh, you know, no opportunity in Congress to do anything because Joe Biden just really insisted on running on cultural Marxism.
0: Yeah. And like, you know, we talk about you know, he he did toward in the last couple of weeks of the election, he talked about fracking and how he supported it and he wasn't gonna ban it. I didn't think he went hard enough on that. I think maybe you know it's some kind of like if we can start triangulating kind of a midterm message. What I was thinking about this about mandatory fracking. Not just in Pennsylvania. Nash we're taking it national. A national mandatory fracking operation and that's what I mm-hmm. think is going to really drive drive people to really come down to the polls to uh, to flip the Senate and I- increase the increase the margins in the house on something like that right right yeah absolutely
1: um you know and I think uh, we've got I mean we've got our our, our kind of check-in with with Rick and the Lincoln project guys later yeah. this week but it, you know, LLC
0: board member uh, Rick Wilson that's mm, right
1: yeah yeah and I I do think we left some stuff on the table I mean we had that um, amazing ad said uh mr trump uh your balls are as small as raisins and i really think that like yeah we should have just done published that it's just as the last ditch effort i think they could have gotten like you know max rose uh in long island over the over the over the hump i mean that's someone who we need in congress uh to vote with republicans um so yeah i mean his his absence is going to be felt um so you know some mea was there but uh you know
0: also all well that ends well we got biden in and the most important thing you know we can talk we can squabble about the the things we did right the things we did wrong the most important thing uh the bad orange man he is gone and i think that's the main thing that's really exciting for for me and you and a lot of people that listen to the show everything in america is going to go back to normal and that's what really matters racism is over yeah De- racism 100 percent defeated okay hello hello and welcome That's the insurgents episode 46 very fitting historically yeah. fitting for number 46 the 46th president of the united states joseph robinette biden i we're really fired up about this and if it's uh robert Rousseau here hey with jordan ewell uh, as always the co-host um how, how are you feeling jordan it was, it was a long week it was a long week for you wasn't it the last <laughs> the last little bit the final little push there right
1: yeah, yeah, I I, um, I was worried for like two days, like Tuesday and Wednesday night, I was in like full Doomer mode. Yes. Um, so that's, <laughs> it's comforting that this is uh, over. The election is over, kind of.
0: Yes, somewhat. <laughs> um, and yeah, as we mentioned, I think it was like, it, it definitely was not the like large scale rebuke of Trumpism that I think some people were kind of hoping for. Even though it was, you know, it's it was nice that uh, that Trump did not win. Um, at the same time, it was a little bit scary considering everything that's happened uh, over the last four years. Considering everything that's happened in America just in the last year uh, with the coronavirus and and all these these various crises kind of intersecting at the same time, the fact that you know Trump actually managed to increase his margins of of, of uh, conservative voters, I mean, that's kind of a troubling sign and you know, I'm, I'm relieved that, that, uh, he's not going to be president for another four years. I mean, we don't, we don't think, but, uh, yeah, it's a, it, I was left with this kind of uneasy feeling because like just the fact that it was that close and it kind of went down to that, uh, next couple of days counting all the votes. And, and I just felt like, you know how how is it this close like it's it's, it's a, it says nothing good about the direction of the Democratic Party or the Joe Biden campaign that it wasn't this big Biden landslide that i think many people were predicting you know
1: yeah i'm i'm worried about 2022 already because yeah. uh, as we get into later with our guest Benjamin Dixon i i'm worried about what's how it's shaping up if if those two Georgia Senate seats do not because there's possibility that it would be a lame duck presidency from the start and mitch mcconnell will just block everything for two years and house republicans run on dem inaction and also redraw the congressional districts in key states or key races i mean all you need is what 10 15 20 i mean we've seen huge gains in other elections like the tea party i I, basically I'm, I'm, i'm worried about a tea party 2.0 2.0 but this time yeah. way more violent um I'm, I'm deeply deeply worried about what we're going to see from the right because they're already painting this narrative where they're like aggrieved and they're victims and they're like you got to be nice to us think about how we feel fuck yeah. you you put <laughs> you, you tried to ban muslims like go go fuck yourself
0: yeah the, I'm the, not being nice to you <laughs> the fuck your feelings people are very concerned about yeah. people being uh <laughs> right. respectful and empathetic <laughs>
1: so funny it's, it's been four so years of funny. this it's been
0: amazing like throughout the trump era it's been a non-stop like victimization routine despite the fact that they're so flagrant about to, about owning the libs and drinking liberal tears and all that bullshit uh but then yeah it's like oh there's a there's a, a play in central park where there's like a trump allegory where it gets stabbed so we've got to lose our minds about that uh every single little perceived slight that they turned into this this stupid fucking grievance issue uh it's been it's been incredibly frustrating seeing that happen nonstop over four years and now they've kind of taken that to the next level um, but as you pointed out though that that was the concerning thing for me is i saw people obviously people were happy that that trump lost but i mean the, the republican party is in great shape right now like this is a kind of a, a not a bad result for them at all uh, especially considering you can probably imagine that there's people in the conservative movement the republican party establishment who are kind of looking forward to having Trump kind of out of their hair a little bit and not having to deal with the constant, uh, you know, drama and craziness of him saying the quiet part out loud and, uh, you know, outlining their various evil plans uh, in like no uncertain terms instead of, uh, you know, couching it in like code words and, uh, and you know, regular kind of political rhetoric. Uh, so this is a great result for them. They're set up really well to, uh, to not only block Biden's entire agenda, uh, but also retake power in the next... Uh, in in two years. So that's why I mean, we can we get into this with Benjamin, so we don't have to talk about it too much. But that's why uh, it's so integral right now that this this sort of contradiction in the Democratic Party about what what direction they want to go um, gets resolved one way or the other, because uh, that's going to a lot is riding on which direction they end up kind of choosing among the, uh, you know, the John Kasich Lincoln Project direction, or the AOC uh, Ilhan Omar direction, and judging by Biden's entire career, I don't have a ton of confidence that he's going to lead the party in the right direction in that respect.
1: No. Uh, I mean, we did see, uh, there was a comment tonight from, I think, Biden's, and tonight we're recording on Sunday, uh, Biden's campaign manager that was like, oh, he's going to live up to his expectation of running on a progressive platform. Uh, I hope so. I'm also not an idiot and I'm fully expecting conversations around, oh, well, we have to, you know, we can't let... Republicans take back Congress. We can't go too far to the left. And we saw that conference call where you had people, we saw reports on that conference call this week, the Dem House caucus, where, um, you know, Abigail Spanberger was talking about how issues of policing and Black Lives Matter almost cost their seats and people who lost races were crying and saying we have to tack to the middle. Sorry, I'm not really in a position, I don't want to take advice from a loser. Um, Like people who ran on progressive platforms and won and flipped seats ran in the middle this time and lost yeah why are you telling me to run in the middle you just lost on it so um i I i'm fully expecting conversations like from people like connor lamb and abigail spanberger to uh have an outsized influence on dem priorities going into 2022 and history repeating itself and just fucking imploding i hope not and i think ben is way more optimistic um and clear-eyed than i am so this conversation, I, I really enjoyed talking to him, and he he left me feeling really great, which I commented on about forty five minutes in.
0: Yeah, well, and yeah, and speaking of spammer as well, I mean that's why, what's one of the main reasons you don't want to invite spooks into your coalition because they're exact, they're not our fucking <laughs> allies. They're not a progressive ally. They're not they don't have any interest in fighting for the actual agenda that anyone like listening to this show is actually cares about. Um, but anyway, we don't need yeah. to continue like going on about this because we, we discussed all this with Benjamin Dixon in just a little bit. You would just mention something about uh, Trump, which I didn't know, I guess, because he's been having an epic meltdown for the ages over the last couple of days as he's refused to accept reality. Um, and yeah, as you mentioned in this conversation, this whole this whole act of like not accepting the the election results of kind of prematurely claiming that he was going to win. I think that may have actually worked if it was close enough that it was just in one state, if it was a Florida 2000 situation. But it seems like everyone understands that the result did not turn out the way he wanted to. Even, you know, you have the Fox News has kind of seen the writing on the wall. You have conservatives, even if they might be trying to toe that line between being respectful towards the sort of Trumpist MAGA crowd, uh, still kind of, you know, preparing preparing to like chuck him overboard. Um, but so far that hasn't really had much of an impact on on. Trump's actual plans to actually concede the election and give up power. So, what what is he currently talking about doing?
1: So, among other things, I mean, obviously, they're going to try to challenge results in some states. Uh, it's I I do think, however, this is ultimately just a ploy to fundraise to pay off campaign debts, and you know, campaign debts are are, are a common thing. Um, you know, happens a lot. Just. You have to spend as much as you can to win, and you know, you fundraise afterward. This is that that's common, it happens on both sides. Um, but they're framing it in a uh challenge the results like framework, and uh, among other things, like uh, paying to support this team of uh, god, I can't, I gotta fool up the name, it's it's a very funny name. Um, oh god, I can't remember, I can't remember, but it's like part of their strategy is uh, <laughs> doing doing i'm sorry this is hilarious they're doing uh rallies around the country <laughs> like campaign style okay. rallies to support these efforts and um this is part partially a, a fundraising ploy uh they're going to have uh various press conferences and legal challenges around the country to whip up support um but it's gonna be like this spectacular exit because he's like conditioning all of these people to think that things are you know actually going well and they actually are you know in a position where they can flip the results and they're deluding their followers into believing this kind of shit (laughs) it's gonna be a bigger failure uh they're just going to be in a worse position than they were uh i i think it's going to be really really funny to watch i mean but the downside is they're just going to have super better events they're just going to take coronavirus because mark meadows now has it and other yes. people in the administration have it
0: who is at the like white house t- like the election yes. party just to, again no mask talking to everybody again you know yeah haven't learned a whole lot there i guess in the old white house about this maybe maybe at the fourth coronavirus uh, white house outbreak they'll figure out some of the stuff about how (laughs) they need to stop that but not quite there yet no No, but it's just you're right it's it's just fucking extremely pathetic and yeah that's the thing i i want to laugh at it but it's also like it's dangerous at the same time not just in the fact that they're going to create these like covid super spreader events um but just the fact that despite having no evidence for this, there are this very entrenched uh, group in America, millions and millions of people who do really, really support Trump and believe that he's the kind of final arbiter of truth who are gonna come out of this believing that he is the legitimate election winner, regardless of what Fox News tell them. I mean, I see conservatives talking about like fake news, Fox News now. and that's a really dangerous situation, you know, and not only like we talked about the new tea party, it, that was a reaction, to sort of Obama's presidency. And like, there was the whole like birther element, uh, to suggest that that was somehow not valid, but now you're setting, you're setting the stage for again, like in a very similar movement of people that have this kind of incredible grievance that will believe, and will just continue to believe regardless of what facts come out that Donald Trump is a legitimate winner of this election. And I'm not sure like how what the resolution to that is going to be. And that can create a possible dangerous situation, considering especially, you know, the ties that some of these groups have to like the militia movement, the, the white supremacist movement. You know, it's, like, it's creating an extremely dangerous situation. And as much as I want to laugh at it, because it is funny, it is funny to see Trump meltdown about this and just completely, this completely childish reaction to losing, uh, kind of refusing to accept it. It is funny, but it's, it's dangerous at the same time. So it's like, I have no idea how that's going to like play out. Yeah, you had someone who was trying to
1: bring a fucking gun to a like a, a, a like a ballot counting yeah. center where they, I think it was the Philadelphia Convention Center where they were counting the ballots. But like some armed QAnon guy fucking tried to drive up there and and do harm. It is it is extremely dangerous. Um, so I, I I really worry about that because I think it's also going to feed into the next Tea Party. Yeah. Um, So I I think we we have to know what's coming and prepare accordingly. And again, as we talk about with Ben, part of that includes running on an actual message in twenty twenty two, not just Republicans bad. Yeah. Because they're gonna have the they're gonna have the luxury of not you not doing anything. Yeah. What are you gonna say?
0: And an opposition party. Fracking good.
1: (laughs) No no no
0: no no no. We love we love fracking, folks. That's our favorite thing. All the kids these days. We all we all talk about uh, how we love having our, our the drinking water in our communities uh, poisoned and and set on fire. Um, no, okay. So before we get to Benjamin, the last point that I wanted to mention that I remember we didn't come up come up uh, in this conversation is another kind of scary element that we saw uh, on election night. A kind of like realignment in the uh, in the sort of discourse um, and in the media wherein you have like we said we talked about how fox news they called arizona for uh for joe biden uh, apparently trump called rupert murack and tried to get him to retract that and wouldn't you also had a situation where ben shapiro after trump came out and said well we are we're, we're, you know we don't accept the results we're we're saying we won the election we're going to stop the counting we're going to stop counting the votes and then you have ben shapiro on his live feed saying like, Oh no, I, th- I think that the president shouldn't say that. And I think it's good to actually count all the votes before declaring victory. And so you have this fucked up situation now where coming out of this election, you have Fox news and Ben Shapiro emerging as like the new centrist, moderate conservatives. Uh, and meanwhile, that's creating space for even people even further to the right than that, you know, the OANNs and all these like complete lunatics as being kind of the new right it's kind of this drastic Overton window shift. It's kind of another troubling element of what we saw on election night. In any case, uh, I think I don't think we need to talk about this more. Uh, we, we talked for quite a while to Benjamin Dixon. It was a really great conversation, as Jordan pointed out. Uh, we will be back again with another episode uh, soon, and we're going to have a new edition of Feedback Corner. There's a bunch of new reviews to read. And again, if you want to review the show, you can do so on Apple Podcasts. We'll read it on the next episode. Uh, we'll read some of the, the very great and wonderful and accurate reviews that we often get. Uh, So stay tuned for that in the next episode. And right after
1: this, we'll be joined by Benjamin
0: Dixon. And now we are joined by Benjamin Dixon of the Benjamin Dixon Show. Benjamin, how's it going? Thanks for coming back to the to the program.
2: Hey, thanks Rob and um Jordan, thanks so much for having me. Always a pleasure. Yeah.
0: yeah. We um we haven't spoken since way back to episode three of this show. We were talking about Mike Bloomberg. <laughs> and a whole lot has changed since then. I feel like a whole lot has uh, gone on since the last time we got to catch up.
2: The world has fallen apart. And um, yeah. if the election is anything, I hope it's just the first step in trying to at least undo the last few months.
0: Yeah. Well, maybe it's our own fault. Maybe we should have... If we had followed Mike Bloomberg's example, maybe they maybe would have led us to have led America to like a prosperous future away from all this. All this craziness.
2: Um, I pass. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, Yeah, probably not. I don't think so either. Uh,
1: So, Ben, I guess we could. This is our first episode back uh, after the election. What were you doing election night? Uh, How did you
2: kind of just absorb all the madness? You know i was i was streaming i just streamed live and and then somewhere around um midnight i just stopped the stream and just went and watched tv um you know (laughs) netflix because i was like you know what at that point i needed to see exactly what play donald trump had um i needed to see like what did they really have planned i was thinking roger stone was going to do the brooks brothers riot 2.0 i was thinking proud boys and boogaloo boys were going to do their thing so i had to just you know take a step back and go you know watch some tv and let it play itself out and so as it turns out they are uh pretty inept it was a very <laughs> poor showing i thought we would have a civil i mean they were talking about a civil war i thought it was going to jump off but it didn't
0: yeah how are you feeling like towards the end of the night because you know i was i've been trying to you know before the election all the signs showing that like oh we're looking at a huge biden landslide i was Mm -hmm. kind of trying to take that with a grain of salt but definitely because i was streaming the uh the election as well and definitely at at a certain point in the evening our mood really started to shift and i think we were all getting that that feeling from 2016 where like oh shit, this is not This is not going the way we thought. And is this is this really happening? Like, were you did you kind of get that sinking feeling in the pit of your stomach as well?
2: You know, I started to, but I I had to resist that because, you know, we were we were trying to convince everyone that it wasn't going to be over on election night. It wasn't, you know, there were mail-in ballots that had to be counted. Um, Matter of fact, my mail-in ballot wasn't counted until Um, Well, as of Friday, it it hadn't been counted here in Georgia, so I still need to follow up today or tomorrow and see if it was finally counted. So that being said, that was another reason I unplugged because I did get that same feeling. I'm like, oh, my God, this is 2020. I mean, 2016 all over again. And so instead of like kind of doom scrolling and and falling down, (laughs) falling into that abyss, I just unplugged for a little bit.
0: Yeah, probably for the best. Um, Jordan, how about you? How was your uh, how was your whole election night? uh it was
1: it was okay <laughs> um they produced the discourse blog live stream which was fun and had lots of guests uh they you know friends of the show they were on last week and you know they they've been similar to ben streaming a lot to kind of reach people where they're at and i, I think the highlight from that was uh sarah nelson oh, she's the president of uh, with the flight attendance mm-hmm. union um joined and talked about kind of labor issues and where she saw in you know, a Biden presidency labor issues going in America. Uh and I thought it was a really fascinating conversation if they put it up on their website if people wanted to check it out, but that was one that I really really enjoyed. Um but yeah, just same after, same thing with Ben around midnight just like you know, I'm not I'm not going to do anything else. Uh I just went and played Magic the Gathering online and watched TV.
0: <laughs> yeah. So it was very interesting cuz you know, Trump's move to his play here that he that carried that, uh, like got played out around 330 in the morning, on election night, it'd been telegraphed for weeks, right? And it's like, we had been discussed endlessly, like, he's not going to accept that he's going to kind of pre- prematurely claim victory. And uh, it was interesting, because despite knowing for weeks that that was kind of what was going to happen, it was still felt very shocking when it did happen. Um, and I think at the time too, especially it it was it did seem a whole lot closer. Uh, the election and uh, it had it, it overall been a pretty disappointing night for the Democratic Party even though Biden yeah. was kind of looking like he was in pretty good shape but like you were pointing out Benjamin um, it, it did end up flopping I think Trump's whole attempt at, at you know pulling that kind of move and I think mm. partially because I feel like if it had been uh, really close in one state if it had come down to like pennsylvania say
2: mm.
0: he could have pulled that move and i think probably the republican party establishment and probably the media establishment fox news etc would have backed him on it but because it was just so obvious that he was so far away that's kind of what what we saw play out the next day when he didn't really have quite the same allies in the conservative movement yeah. as he maybe thought he would or that, that he would have needed to actually make that kind of a plan work yeah. Um and he's they've slowly been they've all been kind of like preparing to dump him overboard it seems over the last couple of days since then.
2: Yeah, no, uh you know when we woke up the next morning and Georgia was in play. I was like, "Okay, we have a we have a ball game here." Uh and 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 it was It would have been such a compelling narrative anyway, Um, even if even if it was like Donald Trump victory or he was leaning towards a victory. The fact that swing states, we have a a whole new set of swing states, and that was such a compelling narrative that I think it really shocked a lot of Republicans. uh, That, in addition to what you said, in terms of there were multiple states, right? Pennsylvania, um, Texas ended up. The last, I mean, I don't know the final numbers from Texas, but for a minute there, Texas looked like it was purple like um, there was an opportunity in texas and arizona it was just too many states um, for republicans to really sacrifice themselves for donald trump now this is where you divide you know the people who are really trumpers you know the cult the cult of personality and uh uh, sycophants and they are still with donald trump to this day it's kind of sad it's kind of laughable but the conservative movement, the the Republican Party proper, I guess you could say, uh, as soon as they got an opportunity to, to ditch Donald Trump, they did.
0: Yeah, like there was that story that came out election night that after Fox News called um, Arizona for Biden, uh, apparently Trump called Rupert Murdoch to yell at him and tried to get him to retract it. And yeah. uh, he refused to do it. And that was kind of when I re- that you know, that was kind of the sign to me that like, yeah, they're, they're not going to back him on any of this stuff. And and I don't think we should, anyone should be giving uh, Rupert Murdoch credit. Yeah. <laughs> we should not be welcoming Rupert Murdoch to the resistance yeah. <laughs> or any of these Republicans that have kind of prepared to throw Trump overboard. Absolutely. Because I, I definitely do think, as I said, if it had been, if it had come down to one state, if it had been a Florida 2000 situation, it would have been a completely different story. Yeah. And you probably would have had the Fox news and all these kind of mainstream conservative figures would have been backing Trump on that, but it was just, they, they could see the writing on the wall uh and yeah. you know they're 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 not going to go down with donald trump and also like they don't really have any reason to these they've the conservative movement in the united states have already pretty much gotten everything that they wanted uh mm-hmm. they've kind of taken over the uh the court system the federal judiciary they've got the supreme court There's a they're looking at a situation where they're unless some kind of crazy miracle happens in uh, in Georgia over the next couple of weeks, they are going to be able to basically block Biden's entire agenda. Right. So there is no real reason for them to stick their necks out for Donald Trump, who certainly would not be doing the same thing if he was in the in the same
2: position. Yeah, that's the that's the the beautiful thing about it in a in a in a very sad way for Donald Trump is that he gave them everything they wanted. And at the last second, at the last minute, I mean, everybody is dumping him. I mean, all the way even across the uh, across the globe, Benjamin Netanyahu has yeah, ditched him already. Very sad. And I'm like, oh, this is this is too good to be true. Yeah.
0: But that leads us to like digging more into like the actual result of this. And obviously votes are still being counted. There's like certain narratives that have that have formed. But overall, I think, and this is the thing that was kind of giving me that sick feeling in my stomach the night of uh, this was despite what happened on, on the you know, the presidential line, this is a, not a good night for the Democratic Party. Yeah, uh, there was in the weeks leading up to the election. There was talk that, OK, they're going to kind of easily take the Senate. They're going to expand their their uh, their lead in the House. And they ended up losing seats in the House. And, and, you know, like I said, there's still, I guess, a small possibility that they can flip these two Senate seats in Georgia. And we're going to see about that. But this was not a great night for the Democratic Party. Right. And um, now you're seeing all these different kinds of narratives forming about who's to blame for that. And and the the kind of fault lines that we saw in the Democratic primary about what kind of party this is supposed to be um, are starting to be kind of uh, really come to the forefront right now. And that's the kind of interesting debate that I think is starting to happen.
2: And I I, I appreciate the uh, Democratic establishment doing what the Democratic establishment does, because it made for the easiest transition back to where I want it to be the entire time i hate the democratic party uh, I just happened to hate Donald Trump like 10 times more. And now that we got rid of him, the Democratic Party didn't waste 24 hours. They didn't give us 24 hours to breathe before they started attacking, attacking the left again. And I'm like, sure, thank you. Let's do this. Because if we really look at the data of what happened in this election, Joe Biden is president-elect, not because of the Lincoln Project. They're, they're president, he's president-elect because of organizers who are, I mean, to be honest, they're probably much further to the left than me, right? And so the people who are on the ground in Georgia, for for instance, like I, I know a lot of them who are who are heading up these organizations uh, in Atlanta and across uh, the entire state of Georgia. I mean, they're full communists, right? So let's let's just be sure they these are not people doing the the work. They are not democratic establishment individuals. And so, you know, it, it doesn't mean that the Democratic Party isn't more than happy to take the efforts of socialists and communists to get a victory and then try to tell us to get in our place. But it's also the fact that we still have that same organizing power and what we use to help Joe Biden win because we agreed that Donald Trump was a much greater evil. We can actually use and leverage against the Democratic establishment. So if that's the game they want to play, then game on. Yeah. I I,
1: <laughs> I don't know. I've just been kind of marveling at this, just the people checking out. Despite the down ballot, I don't know how I would call it devastation, but lackluster at best performance down ballot. Mm-hmm. You lost seats in the House. Democrats lost seats in the House. You had races where incumbents who had the support of Obama <laughs> were losing the Republican mm-hmm. primary challenges and ran on mm-hmm. moderate proposals and were still losing. Now, you have to ask yourself, like, when you see that and you juxtapose that with all of the people who ran on progressive policies, who ran on Medicare for all, yep. in toss-up districts winning... And protecting their seats. Like yeah. Katie Porter's has a prime example. Katie Porter's district is purple. Katie Porter flipped her seat in 2018. she's not some like leftist fire brand, but she's a good example of someone who will fight for, you know, more progressive economic proposals and Medicare for all. And she's now won right. twice in a purple district. And you see races like that. There was that chart that's been fly like flying around. Um and in fairness, I don't that doesn't include people who did not run on uh medicare for all and also won, but so it's a little bit cherry-picked but it does show like there is a trend of people running in purple districts on medicare for all and winning and I, I think yeah we have to have this conversation um because in 2022 right now we're going into this situation where unless something you know some huge outpouring of support in georgia happens and people flip those two seats uh we're looking at us c- they're gonna vote their ass off oh god so yeah we're doing we're doing the <laughs> awesome thing again what's old is new again um yeah. but yeah if if i i i i also do really want to talk about warnock because i, I do i like him a lot but I, I i we're looking at a scenario with if we lose both those races right If democrats lose both those races we're looking at a scenario where biden enters as a lame duck mcconnell blocks everything for two years they run on democratic inaction in the face of all these crises a downed economy a pandemic all these things biden can't do anything they run on dem inaction while they're simultaneously redrawing the districts because it's a redistricting year so they're going to redraw house districts to eliminate democrat house seats because republicans control the majority of the state legislatures So you are looking at a complete rightward shift if the Democrats do not adopt a more inspiring and and, and progressive message across the country. You can't because here's the thing. They ran on beating Trump. Guess what? You did just that. Congrats on accomplishing the bare minimum. You cannot do that in 2022. You have to run on something, and you have you have control of the White House now. You can't be the opposition party. You have to stand for something. So now is the time to have that discussion. And you've got Kasich and, and Lincoln Party people and all of these moderate pundits who who would benefit from you tacking to the middle financially. They would personally yeah. and financially benefit from that. It it, it 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 prolongs their career and their relevance they're insisting oh the left almost cost you the election no you only won the White House because of progressives you didn't win anywhere else right
0: yeah well no that's because that's the interesting thing because like if they're if they do fail to flip the Senate here um, it, it seems so quaint that like a few weeks ago we were asking like, oh, will will Joe Biden have the political courage to like expand the Supreme Court? Well, guess what? <laughs> not only is Biden not going to expand the Supreme Court, it's actually going to shrink. Like if Stephen Breyer uh, retires, I think he's 82 years old they're not going to even replace something. They're not going to even let Biden replace it. It's going to go shrink down yep. to a 6-2 court instead of 6-3. Or like, oh, is Joe Biden going to have the political courage to implement his like trillion dollar uh, climate plan? Well, like, no, he's not going to do anything. He's literally going to do nothing at all. Um, and yeah, I think uh, if, uh, if, if you're someone that, that lived through the, the initial optimism and then crushing disappointment of the Obama era, you kind of know how this is going to go. And uh, like, that's that's the scary thing about this election. And, and yeah, orange man bad. I think it's great. We can celebrate that Trump lost. We can laugh at his ongoing meltdown. We can laugh at all his, his weird fans and how mad and sad they are. That's great. But uh, like they're it's, the Democratic Party really are not in a good place. And Unless some like some big shift happens, they're heading into a situation where they're going to get crushed in 2022 and 2024. And it's going to leave everyone in America even worse off than they were uh, before this election.
2: So so here's my thing w- with that. I, I, I agree w- with both of you. Um, The only thing that I would add would be that they're not just going to get crushed by Republicans. They're going to get Fucking crushed by progressives because we're not waiting till 2022 to see what they're gonna do. We already know what they're gonna do, and we're gonna primary the hell out of everybody. Like I'm throwing all of my energy, um, you know, all of my extra energy into supporting candidates that are primarying establishment members, that are uh, uh, candidates who are progressive, right? Candidates who are going to go up there and fight for the Green New Deal. We're gonna go up there and fight for Medicare for All. Who's gonna go up there without and, and unashamedly expand the courts? Like that's that's got to be their platform, and we. We have the fundraising capacity now. Uh, across all the different organizations and all the different individuals who have their own email list to raise money. We have the institutional power. That's the biggest difference between 2008 and 2020. Joe Biden, in 2008, Barack Obama made sure that nobody got money raised unless it went through his organization. Like there was a massive consolidation of left-leaning organizations because all of the fundraising went directly to Barack Obama. There is nobody (laughs) this time around who has turned over Fundraising capacity to Joe Biden, right? The left has its own fundraising mechanisms. We have our own organizations, institutional power. We have some some strong uh, in, uh, people in in uh, in the Congress already who are are good figureheads, if not outright just great leaders. We have what we need to primary the establishment into oblivion. Between 2022 and 2024, I believe that we really can fundamentally transform the Democratic Party because they are vulnerable. And here's the thing. Use that same thing that you guys are just talking about. Like that's to our advantage. You know, we're going to have to accommodate for we're going to have to adjust rather for the redistricting redistricting. And that's going to be difficult. But it doesn't change the fact that Democrats are still like crappy and they have <laughs> been uh, they have, They. you know, And you said earlier who one of you said um, uh, that the redistricting. Reason, you know, it was cherry pick data a little bit, but I, I don't. I think it's, it may be cherry pick data in terms of progressives who ran on progressive policies, they won, and then you know. But but here's the other thing this batch of democrats they're just totally dislikable like you just don't like them they're not they're not good people they don't stand for anything they represent a generation that is far gone like we don't live in the era where you could just be a a champagne democrat and everyone is you know going to sip uh whiskey and 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 uh you know bourbons after they had a robust debate on the house floor no no that's in the past Nobody wants that politician, but we still have a bunch of a bunch of them left in the Democratic Party. And they're all old, you know, hate to be ages. But it's time for us to disrespect our elders and and, and primary them. <laughs> yeah, no, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I think I think we're starting to see also this
1: was a huge win uh, for uh, Justice Democrats in groups like Sunrise and, and J.D. and other progressive policy oriented groups that are grassroots powered this was this was colossal i mean ilhan just shattered turnout in her race and Trump. i Mm -hmm. mean this is a talking Mm -hmm. point not a talking point but a point that they you know they you know drew attention to was that trump tried to make minnesota turn
0: minnesota into like a referendum on ilhan omar right he tried to make it about her exactly
1: yeah and and that that the vitriol directed toward her you know the, the the xenophobia the racism the hate the bigotry directed toward her specifically led to people in the progressive space, or democratic space abandoning her and people including mm-hmm. mainstream democratic candidates didn't want to be associated with her because they thought it would make them vulnerable well lo and behold voters in her district love her love her more than candidates prior in that district it, The huge outpouring right. of support and she helped flip that or not flip that state because it was <clears throat> it was uh it was blue in in 2016 but she helped drive turnout that was key that was key to biden winning minnesota so her and, and, and talib in detroit same thing had huge yep. get out of the vote efforts in their communities and they saw areas that were traditionally that were especially in, in michigan shaky in 2016 and jeopardized or ultimately led to uh trump winning there winning that state who swung back because of efforts by them so and now they're being treated like enemies enemies within the party by people who would never do anything to get out the vote for democrats who just go on tv who just want to make money and just pretend and cosplay as as as, as, as a do-gooder will never stick their neck out for anything like that so the, the people like omar and talib and 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 grassroots organizers from from places like sunrise and jd Huge, huge victory for them and I think I'm really excited to see what they do yeah. in twenty
2: twenty two. Yeah, no, I I, I think um I, I think the fact that we have an entire movement of people who are trying to f- get their power in this. They're trying to recreate the Democratic Party to be even shittier than it currently mm-hmm. is. Uh, the Lincoln Project, Rick Wilson's, the uh, uh, Radio Tom, oh, I can't remember yeah. his, his full name. <laughs> All these people who who have a vested interest because they ran against Trump. And you know, I'm well, there's two things here. It's possible that they can fall right back in line with the new Republican Party that's gonna emerge out uh, after Trump, post-Trump. Um, But I think they're trying to hedge their bet and get, you know, best of both worlds. They're going to try to fundraise from Democrats and Republicans going into the future. And for them to accomplish that on the Democratic side, they have to make sure that they alienate progressives because we just won't we will not coexist in the same party as um, as the Lincoln Project. And so right now it, there is a, a tremendous war going on, which is fine. I'm glad. I'm happy about it. We didn't waste any time. As soon as we got as soon as we knew Donald Trump was gone, everybody, you know, we all went for blood because we need to, We need to get rid of we need to get rid of the Lincoln Party. I mean, it, it's, it's not only that we need to get rid of the Lincoln Party project, Lincoln Project uh, group. So we got to get rid of the Democrats who were here long before the Lincoln Project, right? Those people, yeah. you know, the Nancy Pelosi's, and I'm like, that's what we were working on, and now you're trying to introduce a whole new batch of people even further to the right of Nancy Pelosi? Give me, that, give me a break. Yeah, so that's, I think, the interesting question that's happening now, and this is a, this
0: is a central storyline in the sort of Democratic primary, but like, you, Jordan, you mentioned you have John Kasich, like, the fucking day after the election, saying like, oh, you know, we have Biden has to make clear that the far left almost cost him this election. Uh, John Kasich, whose whose crucial endorsement accomplished absolutely nothing, um, right. <laughs> did not deliver Ohio to to Joe Biden, who lost Ohio by the same margins that Clinton lost it uh, in 2016. And then meanwhile, like you mentioned, you have you have Omar and Tlaib like uh, delivering uh huge numbers of votes in Michigan and Minnesota and, uh, you know, activists on the ground, immigration activists in Arizona, bringing in tons of uh, votes uh, and activists in Pennsylvania, like delivering the election to Biden. Um, and then meanwhile, you have this conversation between like, you know, which, which way is the, this party going to go? Like, is this going to be the party mm-hmm. of John Kasich and the Lincoln project? Or is it going to be the party of these like young, exciting uh, Congress people and activists? Uh, and I think that's the kind of troubling thing is that if you've and, like, if you look at John Joe Biden's long career, and you can kind of see which way he leans on that. He's, he does lean more in like the John Kasich direction than the than the yeah. other direction, yeah. uh, and that's why That's why the frustrating thing is about this uh, the Democratic primary because I think that was kind of the moment for the the Democratic Party was going to kind of decisively choose uh, to go in one of those two directions and it feels like they chose to go in the wrong direction and as much as like as much evidence as there is that I think it would be more beneficial to go towards the the activists and the, the younger progressives where all the excitement is. I don't it doesn't seem to me and nothing about Joe Biden's career indicates that that's the direction that he's going to go, um, which right. doesn't doesn't mean a lot of good things. I don't think
2: Well, Yes, I agree. And you're not wrong at all. I think the only difference, though, is is that we have power. We yeah. we have power that we did not have in two thousand and eight. Right. Quite frankly, Absolutely. we have power now that we have not seen in on the left since they gun all our power down in the streets in the sixties, in the late sixties, right? Like we literally had to be reborn and go through an entire generation of of like when I was when I was younger, when Bill Clinton won, he was like the epitome of, oh great, this is this is amazing. We're gonna have uh happy days are here again. You know, and, and the truth of the matter was like like there of course there were always radicals. There were always scholars who were who were preaching uh, the gospel of socialism, and they they never relented over time. But they did not have the institutional or organizing power on the national level that we have right now. And when and in addition to that, they did not have the fundraising capacity. That said, we're going to put. We're going to bring the hammer down on Joe Biden by bringing the hammer down on everybody in Congress, especially because they lost some seats. I'm, it's actually to our benefit in terms of the left for those seats to have been lost because now they they can't just, they can't even pretend to ignore the squad. They can't pretend, they need every single vote that they can possibly get. And so that gives um, Jamal Bowen, he's going up with, with more leveraging power than he would have. Um, uh, Corey Bush, she's going to have more leveraging power. And then, of course, you have the Rashida Tlaib, the AOCs and the Ilhan Omars. They, they have the ability to apply pressure internally in the House. We have the ability to apply pressure from outside the House. And yes, you're absolutely right. Joe Biden is going to do his best. He's going to have wet dreams about, you know, sitting down with Mitch McConnell and, <laughs> and you know, and, and triangulating with Mitch McConnell. But we are going to make sure that he feels the pain through all of his representatives that represent that old school that has to be uh, done away uh, with
1: that uh, that comment you just made about biden is also reflected like uh Kasich mentioned something about that he said the best thing to and again uh, Kasich's comments came minutes after it was called like it was called around like yeah. 11 11 30 eastern and at like 11 30 as people were celebrating they had a live feed of people celebrating at the white house K6 on cnn saying well you know progressives almost cost it like this is you know listen to republicans but so it was immediately it didn't like not even no honeymoon period nothing it was this guy saying okay time to listen to republicans but the mm-hmm. the comment he made was the bet one of the comments he made was the best thing that could happen to joe biden is uh, the senate staying republican because that just like because that makes Joe Biden uh, do what Joe Biden does best which is negotiate no that will not happen and if you have been paying any attention to what happens in the Senate McConnell is going to kill everything He will not let anything come out of the house that 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 veers too far from from the right he'll never cooperate because this is about power for them he doesn't give a shit he wouldn't even help he wouldn't even get a stimulus package uh in the run-up to the election uh, that probably would have helped trump because that would have given
2: pelosi even the smallest win this is not somebody who's ever going to cooperate (laughs) at all at all and to and to to even suggest that shows you that you know i don't think john Kasich is is uh uh i don't think he's dumb um i actually strike that i think he's a little bit of both uh machiavellian and dumb Right, um, because I I don't think he he maneuvers. He doesn't maneuver like Mitch McConnell. If you can say anything about Mitch McConnell, you you, you can't call him ignorant. He knows what the mm-hmm. hell he's doing, and he's he's a monster at what he does. Um, I don't think John Kasich is anywhere remotely near that. But um, he's either he's either making a move here or he's being a useful idiot. If he honestly believes that bipartisanship is going to work, um, that's too bad for him. Right? I, I I I would love to smoke whatever he's smoking. <laughs> <laughs> um i honestly think honestly think that he's just trying to pull, he, they want to go back Okay, they're they're in their twilight years. They want to go back to the way it was in the '90s. Yeah. They want to go back to the way it was when they all could just sit around and get along and everybody agreed on neoliberal economic policy. Like the only thing that was taught in schools was Chicago school economic policies, and 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 you know, and Bill Clinton was you know as as much as they, had, and that's why they attacked him on his personal issues because he was the paragon of neoliberalism, yeah, right? Yeah. He 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 was like the. They want to go back, and so I think John K is just dreaming of going back and you know reliving his youth of where all the Democrats would get along with Republicans because Democrats gave up on the working class the working class is coming back to bite them in the ass now and uh, and I think it's time for us those of us who grew up in the working class or in proximity to the working class or just have uh integrity and want to fight on behalf of the working class um I think it's time for us to just give these motherfuckers hell at every stop one final point on
1: Ohio in the working class I mean this is he was you know was 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 the guy who was going to help get Ohio you know to flip and his support Mm. was was championed by everybody on the left or in the the Democratic establishment he spoke at the DNC his endorsement was welcomed and right in the run-up to the election he was his name was floated as a potential cabinet member and this (laughs) is always justified as oh he'll help us win Ohio this is do you want to win Ohio or not like Rob said earlier no material difference. Now, why might that be? Like, why Statewide, why are the numbers the same from 2016 to 2020? Well, think about what Kasich's tenure in Ohio uh, might represent mm. to people in areas that are Democratic strongholds like Youngstown. Yeah. He was anti-union. And at the same time, Scott Walker was trying to ban public se- sector unions. And he did so successfully at, uh, in Wisconsin. Um, Kasich tried to do it and was met with a state referendum. And voters in Ohio, and especially in places like Youngstown, Cleveland, and Columbus, fought back tooth and nail and overrode it in a statewide ballot initiative. That mm-hmm. sticks with a lot of people and a lot of blue-collar workers in areas like Youngstown. And over the past four elections, I just pulled up the numbers. It went from Obama in 20 uh, 2008 Winning 62% of the vote in the area to 63% in 2012 to Hillary barely squeaking it out 49% in uh, 2016 and then this time Trump finally won the area the Republicans finally won the area for the first time since Nixon with 50% of the vote and now when we think about this kind of stuff you have an anti-union anti-choice pro-fracking anti-public school republican who people in that area who you need hated and that's the guy you're going to cozy up to we saw it also with rick snyder in michigan the this these decisions baffle me because these voters have been saying this we're so tired of this kind of leadership they tried to send a signal in 2016 and they were dismissed again youngstown is not a white area (laughs) youngstown is extremely diverse white people are a minority in Youngstown and they tried to send a message in 2016 saying look like this this type of leadership and this type of like democratic establishment behavior isn't working nafta is a household term there and mm-hmm. despite plant closures they still didn't trust biden that is jarring to me and i think it represents a larger decline of democratic establishment leadership in post-industrial areas of the country that they have to recognize they tried to dismiss it as just racist white working-class voters and sure there's elements of that throughout the country but to dismiss working-class people in in general and we saw that kind of stuff with Bernie this week people were just adding in the term white to get mad at Bernie yeah, when he yeah. talked about working class issues it's like to Ben's point the working class is rising up but we have to acknowledge that and we actually have to pay attention to their needs
2: yeah I, I listen who, whose article or No, no, no. It's a book. Uh, It's like, listen, liberal. Um, What's what's our guy? Thomas Frank. Um, Thomas Frank, right? Yep. I mean, he has a great summary on it. Um, Matt Stoller, um, Mm -hmm. even though he gets on my nerves, but he has a really (laughs) great article on that from like three or four, three years ago um, where they just really outline this transition into the corporatist party that the democratic party is, you know, when you, when you, when you throw, you throw away everything that was useful about the Democratic Party and all you're left with when you when you get rid of the working class. Um, and then all you're left with is the very thing, the very things that people hate about politicians. Right. Yeah. We absolutely hate the platitudes. We actually absolutely hate the, the elitism. Right. And, 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 and when the Democratic Party ditched the working class, they ditched the only thing that was good about them. Like you know, you know, I, I'm I'm pretty sure FDR would not be FDR. He would he he would have gone down in history as a hated president if he had not done what he did in the New Deal. Uh You know, it, it it is the elitism that the working people. Here's the flip side of it, right? Or the very obvious other side of the conversation is the fact that most people in this country doesn't don't we don't have shit. We don't, you know, you want a a record turnout, then actually do something for people. You want people to stay home, then make them feel like you're not going to do anything for them. And that's exactly what the Democratic Party has done over the last 30, 40 years. Here's the difference. Republicans realize the magic of not doing anything for their voters, but still managing to get them out. And they do it with wedge issues. They do it with cultural issues. And they're always able to get people out to vote against their best interests. Democrats, they just don't have that.
0: Yeah, it seems like all the only tool they have left in the in the toolbox is we're not the mean, scary Republicans, and that's it. That's why you have to vote for us. Yeah,
2: and that doesn't that doesn't you know. There's not going to be anybody who scares us the way Donald Trump did. So that's a wrap, Democrats. You don't have anything left. Yeah.
0: So I really <laughs> wanted to zero in. On some of the fucking idiotic logic that some of these are kind of like centrist triangulators have uh, when describing, you know, particularly like what happened in this race, like you've had a lot of people talking about the movement for Black Lives, defund mm-hmm. the police, abolish police, and, and talking yeah. about how this like almost cost the Democrats the election. You had like fucking um, Al Franken uh, and I uh, fucking Al Sharpton talking about this on MSNBC how this is like oh it's toxic saying this kind of stuff, and I just wanted to zero in on this because it's so it's amazing to me this logic that they use to justify this so what you have over the last six months you have this unprecedented historic uprisings across the United States based on racial injustice and systemic racism and police violence and mm-hmm. activists very very clearly saying we, we want to defund the police we want to abolish the police and then right. you have the response to that from the Democratic Party which is to do the exact opposite and to l- literally do nothing that these people are asking to run Joe right. Biden this guy who spent you know <laughs> his entire career in expanding police power and expanding mass incarceration uh, and increasing drug laws and all the things that have led to a lot of these systemic issues Uh, and he's literally campaigning on giving police more money as we've mentioned many many times on this program um so that's the result so then you have joe biden that's that's his platform he listens to nothing about what activists say um and he runs in this election and yeah he does manage to defeat trump but it turns into this fucking disaster for the rest of the democratic party and somehow the next day the kind of like monday morning quarterbacks look at it and say oh it's that it's those uh, that those calls to defund the police is the one that is what cost us the uh, <laughs> these down ballot races uh, so it's just amazing that it's like you can you can literally nominate a guy whose entire platform is telling these people no no we're not gonna do anything what you say we don't agree we don't like it and then these people still get blamed when they don't get the job done and it's just amazing how yeah. like you know whenever they do anything good, uh, of course, that's the responsibility of their own, you know, they're triangulating centrist policies. Uh, but every single failure is blamed on the left is blamed on activists. Um, and it's mm-hmm. like, it's a wonder that people can cont- continue like contributing to this party when that's how they get treated afterwards.
2: Yeah. Like so. So like James Clyburn. Right. Um, Yes. I I can't I can't express the level to which um, two things like I I like the guy. I I met him personally. He's a cool guy. But I fucking hate that man. Right. It's, It's like a yin and a yang because how this this man has been strategically sabotaging progress that would benefit every American, especially black Americans. He's been doing that since uh, since he was talking about um, nobody wants socialized what did he say on MSNBC like four, three years ago talking about uh, free water and there's no free, free lunch. That, that's what it was. It's like nobody wants a free lunch. And I'm like, dude, you know, I, and then he's the one who obviously who gave Joe Biden, South Carolina and leading up to Super Tuesday, getting rid of Bernie Sanders. And now he's out here saying that defund the police was the slogan that hurt Democratic candidates which is completely counter to the truth um, it, it, I'm gonna be I hate to be ages but it it is it it is a shifting of a generation they realize that their time is up they may have one more term they might they might make it to 2022 um, and if we don't primary them then they're probably gonna die because they're also old right but if if we wait Until they all die, it'll probably be too be too late for some critical issues. And they know that and they know that the progressive movement has wings. We have fundraising capacity. We have the momentum. We have the future. The kids that are younger than us are far more progressive than us. They make us look like liberals, right? I mean, generate the Zoomers. I mean, Zoomers are like all the full Marxist, Leninist, communists, like they they are ready to to bring out the guilting and the gulags and the people on the wall. And so, you know, Not that we would ever support
0: anything like that. for Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, well, that's what I said. You know, they're
2: much further to the left of of, of me even. And Jim Clyburn knows that. And, 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 you know, the Lincoln Project knows that. Nancy Pelosi knows that. And so they're gonna try this shit. But guess what? It doesn't change the fact that one, it's it's a time it's time to change the guard. It's a changing of the guard. That generation has to go. And 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 they have to go and not because of their age, but because of what they believed in, is insufficient for what people needed over the last forty years, and it sure as hell is insufficient for what we need to go into the future.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I couldn't help but think <laughs> as we saw results come in about The states that had outside influence in dictating uh, the primary, how they ended up going in the general. Yeah. And (laughs) I'm just reminded, bringing it up again, I am reminded of the outpouring of support for Sanders because of his, Mm -hmm. you know, his outreach with the Latino community there, his progressive agenda and his stance on immigration and uh, juxtaposed with. You know, Biden's history on immigration. And it's just we were in a nail biter in Nevada yeah. and we didn't need to be. Hmm. Um, and states like South Carolina and Iowa, which were, you know, instrumental in dictating the course of the primary um, and the, the the realignment and everyone getting behind Biden came after South Carolina. Nope. Nope. Biden stood no chance in South Carolina. Yeah. Why are we letting them pick? Why are we letting them pick who, who our candidate is? It's really, it's really not bizarre. a great
0: strategy. Yeah. <laughs> no. And I had to mention something because this is OK. This is like a little bit of a, a, a I told you so moment for me. I apologize to everyone. But uh, if you're a listener of the show, you'll probably recall that over the last couple months, one thing that I mentioned on, on numerous occasions was legalizing marijuana. And this Mm -hmm. is something that Joe Biden could could get behind very, very easy, very simple. It's incredibly popular, like across the political spectrum. Uh, It would do so much to help a lot of marginalized communities that have been devastated by drug laws and devastated by mass incarceration, like in the midst of this uh, uprising about, uh, you know, systemic racism. Like, that's a perfect thing to help heal that wound, right? Mm. Uh, But again, as I mentioned, Joe Biden spent his whole career being like a drug warrior and ensuring that this stuff would never happen. uh, And of course, did not get behind that in any significant way, um, which as I'll point out one more time, I mentioned multiple times would have gotten people excited, and would have been a huge gift to the Biden uh, campaign. And lo and behold, uh, every single state where legalizing marijuana was on the ballot in that election, it passed overwhelmingly, even in like conservative places. (laughs) Um,
1: Mississippi had medicinal
0: marijuana. Yeah, somewhere like that yeah Yeah. so that's the thing it's like there's there this this kind of the biden wing of the party they're so married to this idea of law and order of appealing to conservatives even in spite of the fact that this stuff is passing in conservative areas even in spite of the fact that this could have gotten people young people especially very very excited to uh to get out there even more so uh and it didn't have it wouldn't have had the same like uh devastating effect down ballot it would have probably driven a lot more turnout and made a, a lot more positive result but they can't bring themselves to like embrace these incredibly popular things
2: (laughs) it's 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 like oh man i hate to be i'm gonna get in trouble because i am i hate to keep making this about uh age but it really is a a difference of generation and values and there's a point in every adult's life where two things happen one you realize you got to tell your parents to kiss your ass back off (laughs) Get out of my way because I've got to live my life the way I live my life. And, you know, growing up, most of us are, we come from a generation, right? Our parents really tried to make us just you know teach us to behave and follow their instructions and you know, say no to drugs dare you know all that it was it was a whole thing in the 90s and the in and the, and the early 2000s right it was such a culture war against individualism in terms of of like being having your own identity separate from your parents right and 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 there's a point when every single one of our lives where we just fundamentally say hey i got it from here and this is what's happening across the country there is a generation. I mean these people are so antiquated not because of their age but because of their beliefs, because of what they fight for. But I do think that there's a strong correlation. <laughs> uh, I think there's a strong causal causal link between how old they are and what they and how they're stuck on a generation of ideas that is this detrimental. I think uh, Bernie Sanders is an outlier. Um, but when you look at the average age in Congress, um and you see what they fought for in the 90s they they're not going to be able to get away The joe biden is not going to be able to get away from the fact that that his entire mindset his entire ethos has been rooted in an anti-drug kind of uh mindset and to the point where we're talking about weed we're not even talking about cocaine folks we're talking about <laughs> weed we're talking yeah. about marijuana and so i think i think on a national level it's time for us to tell our parents to get the hell out of the way we appreciate you but you're going to need us to take care of you when you get into your twilight years and we're dealing with a bunch of politicians that are literally in their twilight years like joe biden is not even going to be able to enjoy the presidency the <laughs> because i mean he's in his twilight years so yeah i, I i'm sorry it's it's just a time it's time for there to be a changing of the guard these people have got to go not because of their age but because of what their what their mindset was rooted in from the older generations that they came up through
0: yeah well i mean that's yeah. the thing it's i wouldn't i wouldn't just criticize biden because of his age if he if he should Showed a capacity to say like to say oh the wind seem to be blowing in this direction so I'm going to adjust my approach uh, to uh, change you know, things you know what? like people like Bernie Sanders or like Ed Markey have done like over the time over the, the years and like changed what and they such what a they point, man. believe in regardless of what uh, of how old they are
2: you know can I scan it and I want to say real quick that is such a good point right uh, i think for bernie bernie is like i think he's he's been that same person the whole yeah, time that's true ed markey has been pretty good at you know hey i'll I'll follow the times and and he he's been a good fighter in that regard um but you would think that these people would do it because it's good politics they're so goddamn stubborn that they're willing to lose instead of doing what's what's the times call for. So yeah. they're not even good at politics at this point.
1: <laughs> yeah, the on the marijuana point, it, it's I mean, I, I've talked about in the show. I don't smoke. I don't care. I don't really like it that much. But like if you anyone else wants to, I don't give a shit. <laughs> I look at it from like a cost effective standpoint. The, the money we waste on policing it is so absurd, and the ridiculous. and the punishments and how it just fucking destroys people's lives if they get criminal records from it for what? For just wanting to take the edge off at night, it's like I don't give a shit. Like just fucking do it. And <laughs> we saw that popularity around the country. And I also think about how uh, Paul Blest from Discourse pointed this out uh, that Democrats really need to think about how Florida. Voted overwhelmingly to support a $15 minimum wage, but mm-hmm. voted for Trump. And here's the thing Biden supported that. Biden supported a $15 minimum wage, but didn't really run on it. Like people had to go hunt and peck to find, um, like, talking points about that kind of stuff. Like he didn't lead with it. The knock on Bernie from, like, centrist and moderate pundits was always like, oh, here we go, here we go again. So, you know, broken record of speech. The talking points you've all heard. Because that's the messaging, the economic populist messaging that Bernie ran on, which would make which made people love him. Yeah. Biden, you had to like go out of the way, like sift through hours of heart and soul and, you know, soul of the country and decencies on the ballot bullshit, which from what I hear from people in different polling places and different, uh, you know, third party institutions that did message testing. Actually, had a negative effect on voter turnout. Who's gonna go fucking vote for decency on the ballot type shit? That doesn't fire anybody up. That fires rich people. You know, gets them excited, makes them feel good. Oh, you know, they're helping. But the me- the the messaging that was most effective, similar to 2018, was healthcare That is what we saw, and we talked about at the beginning of the show or the beginning of our conversation with Ben. Though people who ran on, on Medicare for all won. Yep. It's I, I don't know what it's going to take for people to understand that but like this fluffy decency and heart and soul of America bullshit did not work and was not a motivating factor.
2: You, you, can you can can you guys feel the difference here like l- Nobody is genuinely, I mean, you might have a couple of sociopaths out there who might be genuinely excited about Joe Biden, but I I just, you know, I think people who were dancing in the streets, there was nobody dancing in the streets for Joe Biden. We were dancing in the streets because we got rid of Donald Trump. Yes, exactly. Similarly, it's the same for Kamala. Like Kamala, you know, I'm I'm super dope. I'm super glad that we are are accomplishing some first. That you yeah. know, quite frankly, we should have those first out of the way a long time ago. But America sucks, right? So <laughs> it is dope. I will celebrate that. <laughs> Great. But there's a good possibility that we could prime because I I just don't think Joe Biden is going to go for a second term. He already said one term. And and for other obvious reasons, I don't think he'll be uh, ready for a second term. I really believe that unless Kamala comes through as a some type of progressive revolutionary she could get primaried really easily in twenty twenty four because nobody is just that excited about her for the exact reasons that you outlined. People are tired of the old mushy and you know decency and compassion and all that. No, know, we know you're a politician that you're up there enriching your defense contractor friends. So the real question is what are you gonna do for us?
0: Yeah. Well, okay. The only thing I would push back a little bit there is that I think I have seen quite a people that have convinced themselves that this is really inspiring and they are really excited by this. And oh, again, man, I'm, I got... I'm already getting <laughs> flashbacks to the Obama era when any time that, uh, you know, people try to hold uh, the President Biden to account for, you know, fucking drone strikes or, or whatever <laughs> shitty things that we know President Biden's probably going to get up to. Uh, yeah, and there's going to be people saying, Oh, now's not the time. Uh, you're just helping <laughs> Republicans. Uh, oh, they can they're blocking all the good things he wants. To to do oh it's before the midterms now you can't criticize him. they're also trying to because I agree I think there's a zero percent chance he actually runs again in 2024 they're already kind of trying to anoint Kamala as like the new kind of you know untouchable a uh, uh, golden girl you know who's like the, gonna lead the party into the into the next generation and they're already setting up a situation where like if anyone does try to primary or try to criticize the things that she does it's gonna be like oh you're being you're it's, it's the sexist Bernie bros again or like that stuff I, that's what I'm kind of concerned With they're like they're setting themselves up to just as we saw in the Obama era, uh, the liberals to kind of bend themselves over backwards to justify every single thing that they do and and to always have an answer for any kind of criticism that happens. Uh, and it's going to make this kind of coming uh struggle over the control of the party even more uh, even more intense, I think.
2: Well, let me give you a little pushback to your pushback,
0: okay? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I like it, yeah.
2: We have power. That we just did not have, yeah. throughout the entirety of of Obama. See, um I, you're one, I mean, obviously, the history books are going to show that you're one hundred percent right about what happened with uh, with Barack Obama. Um, in terms of right now, you know, there the problem is is that they just don't win without us. They just don't. they 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 cannot, and we can show them in the data that that's the fact and we can show them even better with our email list and our ability to fundraise and our media and all the podcasts that are having more influence, all the uh, the Justice Democrats, brand new Congress, our revolution. They're gonna have even more power after the 2022 uh, midterms. I mean, there's gonna be, they're gonna have to come to the table for us in order to get us to just to, to support Kamala in 2024. They're gonna really have to pay for it between now and then. And here's the big thing we need to start acting right now like they're not going to deliver for us by 2024 and what does that mean we do that means we start primarying everybody we can afford to primary right now we start applying that pressure right now we continue to build power outside of them right now we push people like AOC to get even more power I mean there's no way in hell there's no way in hell Hakeem Jeffries gets the speakership without an all-out war like, let's just go like they're talking about, you know, prime, you know, getting rid of Nancy Pelosi. Moderates are starting to push that and they want to they want to anoint Hakeem Jeffries. Oh, kiss, kiss our asses. No, we're going to it's going to be an all out war. And we're going to demonstrate to them starting now that we have the full expectation that they're going to sell us out on 20, in 2022 and 2024. And that's how we get even more power to avoid all those things that you're saying. There absolutely needs
1: to be a progressive uh, uh, champion to kind of throw their hat in the ring uh, yeah. for for speaker because um if i mean i i if jeffries does run it's kind of just it's it's like a lateral move you know mm-hmm. um it, it would be you know it, it, it would be used i think to placate progressives but ultimately it's just it, you're going to get the same thing he was he was the moderate response to barbara lee throwing her mm-hmm. hat in the ring for democratic caucus chair in 2018 mm-hmm. and that was going to be the progressive response and um that's dot you know they 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 <laughs> oh man it cannot be him it cannot be him but I, yeah. I would say it could be i mean it could be lee i don't know if she wants it. i don't think she would probably do it. i think she'd be more of a team player but i can't i don't i don't see it be, i don't see it as jayapal either because jayapal they're consolidating leadership in the Congressional Progressive Caucus, uh, which I think is good. Pocan's going to, I think, step down, and Jai is going to be a singular leader. And also, they're going to go in with a more uh, aggressive negotiation style and start yes. to make demanding concessions, which I think is long overdue. And they're yeah. going to have rigorous, actually rigorous standards for membership, because a lot of people just kind of coasted um, and, and just kind of drafted behind them. Well, when convenient,
2: invoking their CPC membership. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and one other thing, I just I mean, I think I'm just maybe overly obsessed with primarying people, um, but there are so many vulnerable Democrats who have been in safe districts, safe seats for the longest time. And one thing Republicans did really good over the last four years, uh, and this is how they were able to go up in uh, their percentage of the black vote um, was to frame the question properly which was what the hell have have democrats done for you that has been probably the most difficult narrative to get around because you can't answer that question without saying oh well nothing they haven't done anything for us they just haven't been as racist as you all right that's all you that's all we really have so that case there are so many young dynamic people who are active, like city council members across the country, like state legislatures across the country. And, and the thing is, is that they have been stuck because everybody's told them to wait in line well, we have created an entire infrastructure to buck the line, to just get around it and throw people out of power. And and the reason I'm bringing this up in context of what you're saying is perhaps Hakeem Jeffries has too much power right now. And Nancy Pelosi would throw all of her weight behind him in 20 uh, uh, in the 2021 election for the House speaker. Um, and maybe he gets it well we just have to change the whole dynamic of that of that of that house right we have to and i think we need to pick strategically as many vulnerable incumbents people who are vulnerable to that narrative what has this politician done for you get the right person to run in that race and replace them and that pressure i mean come on you saw how they started shitting their pants when uh aoc won now cory bush took out an entire dynasty imagine if we triple that let's triple that in 2022 uh the the sky is the limit for the progressive movement the the bottom line is we're on the ascendancy and whether it takes 2022 or 2024 for us to actually have a uh, a a stranglehold on power in the house um, that remains to be seen on how much we can fundraise and actually organize Uh, but we are definitely on the ascendancy
1: Oh, yeah. Man, I love talking to Benjamin because I, I, I always oh, yeah. come out feeling good. It's just it, <laughs> I, I love it. <laughs>
2: Appreciate it, Yeah.
0: Man. Well, one thing, Benjamin, while we still have you, because, I mean, that's the kind of big going to be the big storyline with the Democratic Party uh, over the next month or two uh, is is these uh, these two Senate runoffs in Georgia, which is yeah. going to decide a whole lot of. of the stuff about the future of the Democratic Party and what happens over the next couple of years. Because uh, as we pointed out, if they're not able to flip the Senate, then pretty much any in Biden's entire agenda is dead in the water. Let a, like, yeah. To say nothing of the the bold ideas that he was kind of campaigning on, nothing's going to happen at all. Um, right. So what do we think is going to happen there? Um, and that's the kind of po- point of having this conversation now about what the party is supposed to be, because you have the, the sort of Lincoln Project types, the Rick Wilsons of the world are angling to ensure that, uh, you know, the Democratic Party signals it's going to be as conservative as possible because that's what they think you need to do to win Georgia, even though that flies in the face of what actually just fucking happened. Uh, And meanwhile, you have the AOCs that are saying, you know, we need to stand for something and we need to offer people something. So like, what do we think (laughs) is going to happen here? It's funny that it's come down to Ossoff as a figure is bubbled up again as a figure, because I remember... In his 2018 run, he, I remember just feeling like he's another one of these kind of like Buttigieg types who just looks like he came out of like a vat in like DNC headquarters or something. Oh, uh, uh, he did, though. Yeah,
2: yeah. He, he, no, no. his mother is one of the most prolific fundraisers in the history of Georgia, uh, and that's how he became who he is. So, you know, yeah. he, he was raised in a DNC he vat. He was a carpetbagging uh, filmmaker. When he tried to run In that special election And I think in
0: that election I think is The main like I don't even remember One thing about what He was actually campaigning on Except it was just like John Ossoff Apps (laughs) That was just (laughs) Data
2: centers
1: (laughs) Data centers Outside of Atlanta dude Come on Doesn't get (laughs) you fired up (laughs)
2: <laughs> oh my goodness. It was he he was such an empty suit. Um the only thing I give him props for is the debate performance where he, yeah, that he was cool. whipped up on David produced so badly mm-hmm. that the man canceled the last debate. Yeah, that was, um that was great. I mean, you know, I don't know what he stands for still, but he's kind of you know, hot at least too. He, I gave gotta his, say. he yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> I met him in person he has the uh, charisma of a Borg. Um <laughs> and you know, it worked out for him in that debate because he just kind of, you know, delivered that, you know, death blow i guess you don't you know you don't have to be charismatic to actually eviscerate someone but that said here's what's going to happen in georgia the same organizers that helped turn this state you know we got to wait on the final totals right and then i think they're going to do a recount um but it looks like georgia may very well go blue for the white house those same organizers are going to deliver and those organizers are young progressive they're my uh they're they're lgbtqia i mean they are they're black they're latinx i mean it is a very diverse group Uh, i mean they're socialists i mean democratic socialists for america in in the atlanta chapter they i mean they're on the ground just killing it um they're going to deliver because they understand if there's going to be any progressive agenda at all if there's going to be any agenda period let alone a progressive agenda, we got to get rid of Mitch McConnell, right? Mitch McConnell is is the, is, I, I would argue, was way more detrimental um, to American history than even Donald Trump, um, sure. you know, yeah. with, with the exception of 250,000 people uh, being killed because of Donald Trump's recklessness. But that said, Mitch McConnell comes in at a very first, close second, if not taking the lead. And so they're going to deliver. Uh, Raphael Warnock, I think, is a more promising of the two races because of just how ridiculous Kelly. Lafleur is how do you, how do you all pronounce it? leffler Lafleur, I don't know. I it, uh, yeah, okay. So we'll flip the difference. So Lafleur, um, <laughs> and, and and so Warnock has a long history in Atlanta. He is the pastor of the church that Dr. King pastored when uh when he was living, and he has a very strong campaign. And he managed to go to a runoff, even though there was like. Five other Democrats, Um, he managed to get just as much uh, percent or really in the in the margin of error for uh, percentage with Kelly Loeffler. Now, you take out all those other Democrats. One of them was Joe Lieberman's son, by the way. Joe Lieberman's son was in the race. And if Joe Lieberman's son hadn't been in the race, it probably could have been an outright win. But uh, so now they're all out and the, the field has been cleared and you're going to see more money poured into the state than ever before. You're going to see all the big names come down. You're going to see the Barack Obamas, the Kamala Harris. They're all going to be here. Um, so they're going to do the, the air game. But the people who did the ground game, the actual work to get it done, those organizers, I think they're going to deliver. And, um, you know, I think Osoff is going to benefit from being on the same ticket but for, you know, lack of a better word, phrase um, as, as Warnock. And I do think it's possible that we'll get both of those seats because here's the difference. Who do the Republicans have? Are they going to, are they going to bring Donald Trump down
0: <laughs> yeah. between
2: now and January and, and push to get uh, David Perdue reelected? I, I I don't, I mean, that would be funny. I would love to see it, but I don't <laughs> think that's going to happen.
1: Yeah. Man, we didn't get into it too, too much, but um, so I, d- I did want to bring up your uh commentary that was also f- championed by uh congresswoman alexandria ocasio cortez about the lincoln project i mean this yeah. is a group that siphoned tens of millions of dollars out of uh democrats pockets and into yeah. their private political firms meaning you can no longer track where it goes they're uh reallocating millions of dollars at a time into their yeah. private political firms so further enriching themselves we have no idea what they're paying themselves probably a lot uh, but now they're patting themselves on the back and demanding that anyone who criticizes them uh, apologize. They they furiously were tweeting at AOC after she quote tweeted you, yeah. uh, saying, "Call me anytime. I'll, I'll be expecting an apology." Multiple Extremely like paternalistic
0: and condescending. As yeah, well. really yeah. fucking weird
1: behavior. Um, but I mean, I did want to give you kind of a, an opportunity to speak on on what you think their impact was or wasn't, and I think you would probably fall into the latter.
2: Yeah, no, I, I honestly, man, it was it was it was kind of fun. I, I tweeted <laughs> I tweeted that and I think I went and jumped in the shower or something and we, just went about my day because I didn't really care. But I knew I knew that I knew I was going to do numbers. Right. Um, just because of what I said. I mean, it's absolutely the truth. Um, and sometimes just just saying the truth as simply as you can is the most effective message. I said that uh, Lincoln Project got $67 million to literally do nothing right and i'm talking about in terms of results i don't care what they try to do i'm talking about the results more republicans voted for donald trump as a percentage than in 2020 than they did in 2016. so to me you failed a complete total failure with 67 million dollars meanwhile i actually do know the organizers who did the groundwork to get joe biden the state of georgia and they couldn't pay their rent right Mm -hmm now you know that that's a, that's a harsh truth but it's a it's a truth and you know i didn't know that aoc had picked it up but, you know i just thought i was like oh look at me I'm, I'm doing some really good numbers here um on that tweet reaching it because i wanted that message out like i wanted people to think about that but uh, little did i know that aoc had like Uh, quote tweeted it and um i didn't know that until like i don't know later on midnight or something i was just chilling minding my business and i looked and i saw aoc in my mentions i'm like well hold on what the hell is going on and and then so many people were coming after her um because she was badass enough to echo it and for the argument and telling them that they need to give up some of that money like that's some that's some gangster shit, by the way. You're telling these, you're telling people you got to give up your money. Like I just, I just made the comment. She went even further. She said, "No, y'all need to give up some of this money," and so she directly threatened their 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 wealth. Like these these guys are going to start a media company. Okay, yeah. that's how much money they raise. While you know they raise that from Democrats. And here's the other thing: they're going to leverage that against Democrats as yes. soon as they rebrand. That money yes. is going to be allocated to run conservatives because they are Republicans. I hate yeah, them, no. and the reason I hate them is because they are part of the reason the entire world order has been destabilized for the foreseeable future uh, with Bush in the iraq war these are the, this is what we 're talking about, so I absolutely love the fact that a o c you know won rocks with me and because i'm on the edge like i you know i say some (laughs) i I say some pretty wild shit on twitter and and it's kind of risky to associate with folks like me on twitter but she didn't care not only did she not care she felt the message so much that she went even further with it and the reaction to it has been spectacularly inept like they're doing they had to come all this is why i love the power that aoc has the lincoln project had to do an all hands-on deck Approach with their to everybody had to come out and, and and address it and with all of them coming, I mean, all their leaders came out to address this and try to lecture her and then they tried to pull her down by association through me because you know I I had plenty of tweets attacking Joe Biden so they they kind of masked my tweets and said that you know who's the real ally? Real ally is it Ben Dixon or is it uh, the the Lincoln Project? But all of their best efforts did not touch the one tweet from AOC. And and in 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 a conversation about dialogue, discourse, and the Overton window, yeah, that kind of reach, that rhetorical reach that she had, and she amplified mine. So, like, I think hers got like a hundred or 200,000 likes, and mine was like 130. And this actually set the terms of the conversation that we're having right now through social media. And it's a conversation that has to be had because it, it, it goes beyond just my little pithy observation into the fact that we are trying. We have a faction of conservatives that were part of George Bush's reign that destabilized the Middle East for the foreseeable future who are vying for power in the Democratic Party and they're using everyone's fear, rational fear of Donald Trump and rational hatred of Donald Trump to fundraise. It is a grift of the highest order. And so not only are they taking money, they're t- they're trying to get political power. And so it was really important and I and I think AOC beyond like it it probably was one of those things where I don't know if you guys do this, but if you see somebody who's who's, you know, wild enough to actually have a conversation that you don't necessarily want to have, you you amplify them, you retweet them. Yeah. Are you quote tweet them? <laughs> and I think she was like, OK, good, Ben. I'm glad somebody said it. And then she just jumped on it. And then she went even further, which is so much. I, I have a lot of respect for her because she took it on the chin and she doesn't give a shit. And she kept tweeting and going on and on and on and on. And so now the national conversation really is about whether or not, what type of future the Democratic Party has? Like, are, are we going to be the party of the Lincoln Project? Or are we going to be the party of AOC? Yeah
0: yeah and, and just heading back on something you just said too i think that's probably why i haven't got the the aoc follow back probably because i'm just a little bit too dangerous and inflammatory
2: exactly. <laughs> probably. We <are> too,
0: I, <laughs> that's I don't, what know, I why think why, I don't right. know how
2: i got it i don't know how i got it because i drop the f-bomb all the time and I, I talk about nancy pelosi all the time so yeah uh, i'm surprised i got it but at the same time like in these spaces that you guys are in psh, she, yeah. she'd go to jail if she retweeted oh you, yeah right? absolutely
0: but no no i just wanted to say because now you have fucking rick wilson uh, he's complaining on Twitter that people are going through his tweets from almost a decade ago. He says, yeah. uh, you know, don't, don't bother looking into my long history of like bigotry and transphobia mm-hmm. and Islamophobia and ra- like right. vile racism. Uh, because you know, I'm trying to help win these two Senate seats in Georgia, knows how he's that's never actually fucking explained. Considering, as you mentioned, they didn't actually have one iota of positive impact uh, on this election. Uh, but again, it's frustrating that you've seen liberals like in in having to choose between those two sides there's literally liberals that are joining the rick wilson side and again these are many of the same people that are like oh if you if you don't talk about joe rogan because of some of the the things he's said in the background
2: but yeah rick wilson um that's okay and that's just that drives me crazy that shit real real quick but fuck Joe Rogan only because he's an anti-masker now. Like that that whole thing was like, I mean, everything else he's dead, done in the past, I'm like, I can kind of deal with, we can work around it, but the math thing. But no, no, no. no I'm to not a point, abuse Joe Rogan your, your, guy, but just the point. way that
0: he's been kind of you held up as someone that's like oh, completely yeah. over the line when they're, then they're more than willing to, to mm. hang out with conserved fucking loser reactionaries like Rick Wilson.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, 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 your point stands. And, and I actually didn't even say that to actually talk about uh, Joe Rogan. I just wanted to throw that out there on GP. Uh, but but the, the, the thing is this though, None of their outrage, like all those liberals who are picking the side of the Lincoln Project. OK, have fun. You don't have nearly as much power yeah. as AOC. Like, you don't. I'm sorry, not even. You're, you're, she has magnitudes of order, more power than all of them combined. So, you know, fine. If, the, if, if, if that's what you want to you, you know, you think we need to triangulate and we need to be nice to them. Good. You're irrelevant. And you're going to stay irrelevant and the person who has relevance is the person who's fighting for the right thing that's aoc and the squad and 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 all the rest of us we have relevance because that's the only reason i have the following i have that's you know the following that you guys have like i I read like damn near every one of y'all tweets because you're you're telling the truth and if you just tell the goddamn truth you'll amass power because what, what is that saying uh um when when everyone is telling lies telling the truth is revolutionary And that's all we're doing. We're all just telling the damn truth.
0: Well, I think that's a great that's that's a great note to leave it on, Benjamin.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The Benjamin Dixon Show. Where can people find you and find uh,
2: your work? Yeah, they can find the podcast anywhere you find podcasts, from iTunes to iHeartRadio, and they can get the uh, YouTube show uh, on YouTube. There you go. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, fellas. Good luck with everything you're doing. Same to you, man. Take care. Take care. All right. Hey, everyone.
1: Thank you for listening to The Insurgents. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can find us on iTunes or Spotify or at Substack, theinsurgents.substack.com. You'll get the latest episodes delivered straight to your inbox, as well as our newsletter. On Twitter, we are at insurgentspod. Tweet at us, harass canon, our replies, and then send us your hate mail to theinsurgentspod at gmail.com. Thank you once again for listening.